So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. It's time for another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with our two fabulous guests today, I want to make sure and take a moment to thank our sponsors. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 Answer One or online at answerone.com. And that's answer the number one.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at Clio.com. And that's C L I O.com. Law Clerk is where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits and not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. And if you do go over there and check them out, make sure you enter the rebate code NEWSOLO300 for a $300 rebate after your first project. We'd like to welcome our new sponsor, courtfiling.net. E-file court documents with ease in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas. If you file in Los Angeles Superior Court, you know that e-filing has recently become mandatory, and courtfiling.net is there to help. All right. Hi, Paige. Hi, Adriana. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us today. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Paige Greenlee. I am a commercial litigator, True Solo, in Tampa, and I've been on my own for about four and a half years. And you're a very busy Board of Governor member of the Florida Bar, right? Tell us a little bit about your volunteer stuff because that's important and impressive. I Well, thank you very much. It's my privilege to get to represent the 13th Circuit on the Florida Bar Board of Governors. I'm also involved in the solo and small firm section of the Florida Bar and sit on its executive council as well as the business law section of the Florida Bar, and I sit on its executive council as well. So I've been a bar junkie my whole life. <laughs> right. In your spare time, that's the, that's the fun you have. <laughs> right. right. Those um, are my extracurriculars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Brittany. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you're a very busy attorney, too. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brittany Maxie Fisher, and I'm a patent attorney uh, located in the Tampa Bay area with an office in Sarasota and St. Petersburg. I've had the firm for over 11 years now, and I'm really honored to get to practice intellectual property law. That must be so interesting and exciting. That just sounds like such a cool field to me. It is. It's a very cool field. And because it's a federal area of law, uh, I get to work with clients all over the, the United States. And it, it's ever-changing. So I'm, I'm real honored to get to practice it. 
Well, and Paige, not that corporate litigation isn't exciting and sexy, because it is. <laughs> I was going to say, she's not going to brag on herself, but she's a past president of, among other things, she's a past president of the Florida Association for Women Lawyers and past chair of the Diversity Committee of the Florida Bar. And I'm sure I'm leaving some things out, but she's also very involved in, in bar activities in her spare time. Yeah, right. In all your spare times. Well, the reason I asked the two of you to come and talk to us is because, again, this world is so small and so funny. And I always say nobody listens to my podcast. And I always get these notes and emails and Twitters. And in this case, a message came in through LinkedIn from a gentleman named David. And out of respect for his privacy, I won't mention his last name, but I do want to say thank you, David, for the suggestion. He had seen the two of you or heard the two of you speaking at the St. Pete County Bar on starting your own, launching your own successful practice. And he put a note on LinkedIn that said, these two ladies would make amazing guests on Adriana's podcast. So I'm assuming he listens to the podcast. Thank you, David. You're the fourth listener. No, I'm kidding. I appreciate the suggestion. I had been thinking about Paige for a long time because I see her at a lot of bar events, Paige, and I just, you know, I think, oh, I should, I should get Paige on there. And it was just perfect synergy when I got that note. So here we are. And I thought I would start by just asking you independently, each of you, just for, just to get it started, really. When somebody says to you, hey, will you do a talk on launching your own practice? How do you start a solo practice? Um, what were the first two or three things that came to your mind as you jotted down bullet points on what your presentation would be like? Why don't we start with Paige? Just, oh, you've got to do this, this, and this, and then we'll sort of expand from there. But what were the first couple things that came to mind? Well, the number one thing that I always tell people, and Brittany was one of my targets when I decided to start my own practice, was to interview as many people who have done it as you can to find out what works, what doesn't work, you know, what they wish they would have known when they started, because this isn't something brand new. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and reaching out to people who are similar to you, have similar personalities to find out what they wish they would have done differently, what they did that works really well was super helpful to me. And I know it saved me a ton of time and money. I think that's great advice. And I think it's important to remind attorneys, whether they're new solos or big firm refugees, you are not going to be the first lawyer to do this. The resources are available and definitely inside your network, whether it's small or big, there's certainly people who can give you some advice and point you in the right direction. Brittany, what did you think when you first got invited to do this talk? I totally agree with what Paige said. I think that a very important piece is to have almost your own personal board of directors. And so, you know, talking to people that are that have law firms, but then also opening up your mind to people that have successful businesses that are outside of the legal field, because every day I'm learning something new. And I think people, if you ask them for the help, they want to help. But most of the time, people are a little bit nervous to say, oh, well, if I ask, then people may know that I don't know exactly what I'm doing. And I think that that's the opposite. I think asking will get you a long way. No, I totally agree with you. So Paige, when you decided to go solo, you were, um, I forget, you were at a bigger firm, I think, but you weren't at a mega firm. Were you at a, like a boutique? I was when I finally made the decision to go solo, although I had been thinking about it for about four or five years leading up to then when I was at larger firms, I was at about a 10 attorney firm. So in, yeah. in Tampa, that's pretty small. 
Yeah, well, no, it's still a good size farm. So you decided to go out on your own and you said, all right, well, I'm going to get some advice. I'm going to talk to some people. And then where did you start? And I really like to talk a lot about getting your house in order. So tell us a little bit about, you know, picking practice management. Did you go from being a PC at your firm to deciding to use a Mac when you went solo? Um, What are a couple of the basic things you started with insofar as infrastructure? Well, technology was the number one thing that I focused on initially because I had been a Mac user for years and every law firm that I had been with their IT department would just kind of roll their eyes when I would say, I can't get into our system from the Mac. And they'd say, that's because they're not meant to work with anything else. They do their own thing. It just was a constant source of frustration for me because I really enjoyed working on the Mac and the PC that they would distribute at law firms was usually about 20 years old and weighed about 50 pounds. So when you traveled with it, it was a nightmare. So in any event, I did a bunch of research just to make sure that what I thought was true was the case, which is that Macs work in law firms just as well as PCs, if not better. And I decided to go down the road of, of using Macs. I, there's a, a listserv um, that's Macs in law offices. I don't know if the conference came before the listserv or the listserv became, came before the conference, but I know I've seen you there, Adriana, um, over in Orlando every year. They have a Mac in law offices conference. And so I started following and asking questions from folks on that listserv, got a lot of advice there and finally made the leap and decided I was going to be a a Mac office. So I did that and got myself set up and, and going. Yeah, that's a very good tip. If you're a listener who hasn't yet discovered the Max in the law office, it's Milo for short, M-I-L-O, Max in law office. It's a Google group. If you just Google it, you'll find it. And there's it's a great community of lawyers who are using Macs and solving problems when they come up, which are fewer and fewer every year because a lot of platforms are pushing toward becoming browser, excuse me, device agnostic. So it's becoming easier. And so Brittany, tell us a little bit about your firm. You started as a solo, but you've grown your practice and that's always impressive. And tell us a little bit about what you did to get started and then how you have infrastructure-wise where you, you're both Clio users. 11 years ago, Clio wasn't there when you started your practice. So how did you sort of shift and, and adopt technology as you aged and grew? And I don't mean physically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, being an IP and a patent attorney, it's definitely a cutting edge area of law. So when we very first started, we were using more of the actual software that was implemented on the actual computers. And quite quickly, I wanted to look into cloud. And at that point, you know, the bars besides New York really hadn't discussed, you know, the whole cloud storage, cloud using. Um, So we were some of the first uh, people to start using Clio. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did. And I've been with them for uh, since 2010 now. But for me, I'm a very team-oriented person. I played sports my whole life and played softball at Ole Miss. So I knew I wanted to have a team. And I'm also a scientist, so I'm very data and process-oriented. So from the beginning, I focused on, okay, how to get clients in the door and how to set up the processes so that we can have more of a team and it's not just myself. So those are some of the things that I definitely focused on from the beginning was the client and the processes. Yes, you're very nerdy, Brittany. 
<laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, and let me ask you both, when you did this or thought about this, did you have outside IT people? Did you get help making these decisions or did you really just use the power of your network and the internet to figure out what you wanted, Brittany? So uh, very early on, I was working with a, a patent agent that was very good in the computer software realm. And so he helped a ton. And we always were trying to figure things out. And I'm very much someone that likes to hire people that are experts in their industry. But we, um, I, you know, he knew a lot about different programs. And so he helped me a lot. I think it's really important to remind people that hiring experts is key when you can. And the reason I'm asking this question is it's hard sometimes, especially in maybe not the biggest metropolitan areas, to find IT people that can help law firms. And so I guess, Paige, I could pose the same question to you, but I think you pretty much told us that you used internet research. And did you actually go to the Milo conference? I've been several times, yes. I didn't have the opportunity to go before I went on my own, so I wasn't able to take advantage of any of that in advance of actually opening my own shop, but yes, I've been several times. Yeah, and that's okay. And I think that's another thing that's important is there are some great legal-specific technology conferences, whether they are local ones, like the one, Paige, you just chaired the Solo Small Firm section conference in January in Florida. And so if you get to looking around for where these conferences are, whether they're local or national, for us, we're lucky because if we live in Florida, Milo has been coming to Orlando for a long time. I think those are really, really powerful places, important places to find a lot of those resources. Before we move on to our next segment where I start asking you about marketing and how you showcase your businesses and get new clients, we're going to take a quick break and listen to a couple of messages from a sponsor. CourtFiling.net, your solution for electronic filing in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas. CourtFiling.net provides a better e-filing experience so you can spend more time helping clients. Because they know that work sometimes happens after hours, CourtFiling.net offers 24-7 phone, email, and chat support. Visit them at CourtFiling.net to receive 30 days of unlimited free electronic filings and see how you too can e-file court documents with ease. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back with Brittany, Maxie Fisher, and Paige Greenlee two attorneys in the Tampa area of Florida. We're just talking about launching practices and some infrastructure. And the next thing I was going to ask you is, I wanted to ask you a quick question about Clio, not just necessarily because they're our sponsor, but a lot of lawyers use them. And I'm curious if either of you, as you got onto Clio and then grew your practice, whether that be you know by body count or just by client size, have you looked into any of the add-ons? Do you have you expanded the platform by using any other services and tools that help either you, Brittany, create that teamwork environment, or um, Paige as a solo? Just any other add-ons that have been helpful to you in managing your practice better? Why don't we start with Paige? 
I've used a few of the add-ons. It's one of the things that I've been meaning to spend some time doing because I know that they have a, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities to integrate with other, other platforms, but I do integrate with QuickBooks and also I use Tally. Excellent. Oh, you do? I do. Tell us about it. I love Tell Tally. I really like Tally and it's getting better by the minute. I, I was one of the very first users, I guess, when they attended the Clio conference. What was that two, two and a half years ago now or a year and a half ago, maybe? I signed up for it there and have had it since then. And for those of you who don't know, Tally is a voice recognition program so that you can tell Tally to open. Now mine's going to open as I'm sitting here in my office, but to open Tally, you tell Alexa to open Tally, and then you can record your time orally by dictating your time, essentially, which is a really big time saver. I like to do it when I'm trying to wrap things up at the end of the day, make sure you capture all your time for the day. Just a fantastic tool. Yeah, that's awesome. So it works with Alexa, and you basically say, Alexa, tell Tally to log 25 minutes, and she'll say, to what project shall I log this? And then you would say, to Marsh Criminal Matter, whatever you name it. And she goes, okay, and what should it say? And then you just, you know, you give her the narrative, and it captures it. It sends it from Tally into Clio, right, Paige? Do you have it set up right. that way? And yes. then- once you're ready to send out your bills, you can open up, you know, the the bill making <laughs> bill making tool of Clio. <laughs> I'm talking like a four year old, the <laughs> bill maker, and your entries are in there, and you can edit them as you need. But at least it's been captured, and it does a pretty good job of capturing your voice because this all these robots, as I call them, are so good these days for, at voice to text. It really is. It's a lot better now when, than it was when it first came out. Although it's been good from the beginning, but you know, client names sometimes aren't the most intuitive things for voice recognition software to pick up, but it's gotten really good. Right. And I have an attorney who names all their matters by a property address. All the matter numbers start with a number and it gets a little confused there sometimes. So, you know, think about if you're going to use a tool like this, think about what you're going to name your client matters that can matter. Brittany, I'm curious, especially from your side with your IP practice, if any of the IP-specific programs that you use or websites integrate with Clio. I don't think that they have any IP-specific that integrate. Um, I have been looking at the new Clio Grow, which is the new intake system that they've done, and we've been uh, checking that out. Oh, that's great. And that's a perfect segue to what I was going to ask you about next. I know that one of the topics you discussed in the panel that the two of you did together was just marketing your firm. And Brittany, you said that you're very process oriented. So I imagine that your client intake process is quite documented. Yes, it is. And I back into the numbers of what you know, I'm looking or what we need to make. And then I know the average spend per matter, how I get to that actual spend. I know the conversion rate with how many prospective clients that I need to bring in the door that would then convert. And so it's definitely very process oriented um, in order to make sure that, you know, we're breaking that, you know, hitting that nut essentially every month. How did you figure all this out from your law firm perspective? Did you just 
have some marketing background? Did you, and I don't mean necessarily marketing, but um, you sound like a person who's gone to client development training from there's a funnel and then there's conversion. And I know, so did you learn all that just trial and error? Did you spend some time? Did you go to a conference? How did you figure all this out? So before I went to law school, I was a paralegal and I had the opportunity to work in a large firm, medium and a small. So I really on the job training, just very much studied how they did things. And I probably got behind the velvet curtain a little bit more than maybe other lawyers did because I was a paralegal. And so, you know, knowing that that's the way that other firms ran it, I just constantly tweaked the uh, basically my calculations in order to make sure that I knew what the conversion rate would be because we really are the very tip of that funnel. All we do is intellectual property. So by the time someone gets to us, you know, it's a very, very finite thing that they're looking for. It's not like it's going to be um, everybody does not need IP. So I knew that I needed to look at those conversion rates. Now on the flip side, everybody thinks they have IP. Everybody thinks they have, you know, the next biggest invention. Um, so so our conversion rate is, is probably a little bit lower than a typical law firm. By the way, I have some great ideas I need to talk to you about, Brittany. Um, <laughs> I know somebody. Paige, how about from your end? Um, I don't really have a very, I certainly don't have anything as sophisticated as what Brittany has. I've learned a lot over the years in terms of, you know, what initially might sound good, how to ask the right questions and figure out whether it's going to make sense in the long run, because I've learned that lesson kind of the hard way a couple of on a couple of occasions. But I don't have a very detailed process. I, you know, take the phone calls and emails and respond to them and um, see what what works out. But I, I definitely kind of have a, mine's more of a lick your finger and stick it in the air and see which way the wind's blowing kind of thing compared to what, <laughs> compared to what Brittany's process is. But um, I think it's just it, probably because of our different practice areas in some regards. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, especially when you're a, a true solo or maybe every once in a while you do have some help. You have, you tend to have a better idea of what's running through your practice as opposed to when you have um, more attorneys or a couple other staff, it becomes a little bit harder. So those processes have to be documented a little bit better. I have to say, Paige, I love that you as a solo, you've mentioned being active with Solo Small Firm Conference. You go to Milo, you've been to Clio. I love that you take the time and spend the money, which I know can be expensive. And especially if you're a solo, we all know we're not swimming in, in, you know, swimming through oceans of dollars. Do you find that attending those conferences and being able to talk to vendors and talk to peers is really valuable? Yes. No, a hundred percent. And I have people question me about this all of the time because they, especially with the Board of Governors, because it is such a significant and ongoing time and financial commitment that people say, well, you know, I've had a couple of friends ask me already, well, have you seen a return on investment on the Board of Governors? And my response to that is, well, I've, I've only been on it for like nine months at this point. So, and I think that's, that's a, a misconception that people have is that, you know, you join or get involved in, in bar activities and you get an immediate ROI on it. And I just don't think that that's ever going to be the case. <laughs> I think that you have to put your time in and, you know, you make real relationships just like you do with, you know, getting a business client in the door. That doesn't usually happen in, you know, one meeting or 
your past crossing one time. So, but I, I definitely, I mean, I, I've been involved since I was a young lawyer on the Young Lawyers Board of Governors. And I know that that has, I've had seen a return on investment on that. It just doesn't happen immediately in terms of going to conferences, tech conferences and talking to vendors. Absolutely. It's, it's helped me learn how to be more efficient with my practice and use technology to help myself. And initially I did not have an IT person at all. I now have someone on retainer just because things have gotten more complicated. You're a lot more at risk with your data and your client's data. And I feel like it's necessary now to have someone, but I initially tried to wear the IT person hat too and thought, I don't, this isn't something, I'm not an expert in this. I don't have any background in this. And I was trying to, trying to learn as much as I could, but I still think that's important, even though I have an expert on retainer who does it for me. That's great. I love hearing that. How do you get most of your new clients? Is it through word of mouth, like you're saying, relationship building, name recognition? Mostly, yes. Or do you advertise? No, I don't advertise at all. The only thing that I do that could possibly be construed as advertising, and I don't think of it this way, is I, I do sponsor local bar activities because I think that that's important. Um, when we have you know local or different bar associations have you know scholarship banquets and things like that, I'll sponsor things. Um, you know, get my name out there and, and on advertising materials for events like that, but I don't do any any other type of advertising. So in that case, it's referrals from other lawyers that is the return on that investment. Yes, mostly other lawyers. Um, I've had other clients obviously refer people to me, which is fantastic. I've had some clients who are uh, reluctant, but uh, repeat repeat clients, not reluctant because of our relationship, but no one likes to be involved in litigation. That's just the way that's worked out. No, that's great. That's perfect. And then Brittany, from your very niche perspective, how do you get your clients? In the beginning, we did advertise. We did some different advertising from a Google AdWord perspective. This was like 11 years ago. So it's when that all was very, very new. But it's same and very similar to Paige. I'm very niche. And, you know, we don't do any business law. We don't do any anything that's outside of IP. And I've purposely stayed with that. And I don't foresee us changing that. And, and I've made that very clear. So a lot of the relationships that I've built are with other attorneys or other professionals, accountants, bankers, engineers, um, and, you know, it's the name recognition and then tying that name to what we do. Um, you know, we even work with other law firms that maybe they've got trademark copyright people, but they don't have any patent attorneys because in order to take the patent bar, you have to be a scientist or engineer. So I, I very much, you know, people know that's what we do and I know my lane and I stay in it. Excellent. Well, before I ask you a few more questions about general practice management, and you can give us some more tips and suggestions, we're going to take another short break and listen to some messages from our sponsors. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10. And do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter AnswerOne Virtual Receptionists. 
They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. All right, we're back and we're talking to Brittany Maxi Fisher and Paige Greenlee, two attorneys in Tampa in the Tampa area of Florida. Brittany has a nationwide practice as a patent lawyer and Paige has a more localized practice in Florida. I assume, Paige, you have clients from all over the state. I wanted to ask you both, um, give us your ideas, suggestions, maybe even I learned this from this when it comes to hiring. So Paige, I know that you're a proud true solo, but every once in a while you have some staff, you get a paralegal or an assistant to help you. Um, Right now you're without one. So tell us a little bit about what you look for or why you might not necessarily need a full-time Yeah, I definitely don't need a full-time assistant because I I think largely because of technology now, it's just so much easier. You don't really need a person doing a lot of the things that traditionally people did in law firms, legal assistants did in law firms. When I, the last big firm that I left, we were actually four attorneys on one legal assistant. So that's how much less they have to do because of technology. But um, in any event, I don't currently have anybody, but I've found that that's not as overwhelming as you might think it would be because how much easier technology and the systems that I have in place work for me. I have from time to time when I've had a trial or something like that, I've brought in a contract paralegal. I've also had some contract attorneys work for me, but there's just a lot of um, unique ways, I guess, now to fill any gaps or any needs that you may have at your firm for work. There's a lot of people who want to work on a temp basis. There's a lot of people who just want to work on a project by project basis. So that's worked out very well for me, better even actually than having somebody, even a part-time, full-time employee, someone who came in five days a week, you know, month after month, um, which I did have for a period of time, just a 25-hour-a-week person. But having someone who's just willing and able to fill your needs when you need them is is perfect because then you're not paying someone when you don't really need to have someone in the office. How do you find those contract lawyers or paralegals? It's through contacts. I've, you know, I just, whenever I need assistance, I'm always pretty vocal about it when I go to different bar functions and almost inevitably someone will say, oh, I know so-and-so just had a baby, but she really wants to work part-time, but she needs flexibility and she can come into the office sometimes, but she'd mostly like to work from home or same thing with a paralegal. I had a paralegal for a while who had retired from a big law firm, but she was kind of bored. She didn't want any long-term commitment. She wanted the flexibility still to travel, but it worked out for me as long as I had, you know, discrete projects she could work on. She would come in and work for me. And, you know, then it was just understood that whenever she wanted to travel, she was going to travel. And and that worked out well for both of us. That's great. So it's obviously really, your your network is obviously really important to you and who you're able to reach out to and say, hey, I have this need. And I think that sort of circles back to the involvement you've had with your bar associations and groups, which are voluntary and you don't get paid for. And I know that especially with Florida Bar, you don't get reimbursed a penny for any of your hotel and travel. So I guess when somebody says, man, do you find all that is worth it? Your answer is, hell yes, it is because of reasons just like that. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I think your network is so important and so many people do not 
put enough emphasis on that or don't realize how advantageous it can be. They work and stay in their own little bubble and, and we can all help each other out a whole lot if we just communicate. Yeah, it's critical. And so, Brittany, you are a little bit different because tell us how many attorneys and staff you have. You grew from a solo to... Right now, we have 10. That's awesome. We have 10, a total team of 10. Um, we have two other IP attorneys other than myself. And then we've got a couple uh, patent agents that are more of counsel, like Paige was saying, if we need that work product done. You know, some of our, from one of our patent agents is a chemical engineer. So it's not every day that we're getting those kind of projects mm -hmm. in. It's more on an as needed basis. And I completely agree with what Paige said. I leverage the relationships as well. And so my involvement with other organizations on a Florida bar level and on a national level has definitely helped me meet some fabulous attorneys that I can turn to um, when, when we have that work product in. I love that. And especially with a nationwide practice, I can only imagine that the need for that network is bigger and broader. Tell me a little bit about when you have to hire staff or, you know, grow or shrink the firm just based on need. What do you look for as a, a very team-oriented attorney? Do you do the hiring? Do you have that part outsourced? Do you look for somebody? Do you give somebody a personality test before they come in? Can they fit in with our totally awesome existing team? I do. You do? I, am. I knew it. <laughs> I am, uh, culture is so big to me and, you know, some people are going to like me, some are not, which is okay, but it has to fit. The people have to fit in with the culture. Um, you know, I expect the very best and I expect everybody to be a team player. And that goes back to my sports background. And I've learned over the years that the HR issues, you know, just trying to make someone into maybe what, could be a good team player, you think. Uh, now I'm firing fast. Um, I go on my gut very much and I ask um, certain questions in the interview. I try to very much pay attention to the emotional intelligence of the people, especially with the scientists and engineers. We don't all like to play on teams. In fact, most of us don't. Like we, we want to be, you know, just on our own in an office somewhere, just pounding things out. At my firm, you have to be able to play on a team and you need to know your role and not worry about what everyone else is doing. So I do the hiring and I'm extremely, um, it's very important to me. It should be, right? And then one more question to both of you, as hard as you work to build either you know, your small firm or your solo practice, how do you measure success? How do you, at the end of the day, say, phew, that was a long, tough day, but you know, we're, it's working. I'm running a successful law practice. Paige, how do you sit back and relax and, and have that thought? If someone has the answer to that question, I'd love to hear it <laughs> because I, I'm, still <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Actually, I, I was laughing at myself over the weekend about that because you know, here I am four and a half in, years into this and everybody kind of thinks, I think a lot of people anyways, think that you go on your own because you want to take it easier or have a more flexible schedule, which to some extent you do have a more flexible schedule. No one other than my clients are looking for me and, you know, no one's coming down the hall wondering where I am if I'm not in my chair at eight o'clock in the morning, five days a week. But on the flip side, I work harder now than I did when I was at a big law firm. It's different kind of work and I don't 
resent it as much as I did when I was working at a big law firm. I don't resent it at all because it's my business. I'm growing my business. You know, I try to make sure that I, you know, have some work-life balance because that is obviously super important. You know, there's days I don't, I don't get to my desk till nine o'clock because I'm going to go for a run first thing in the morning because I know if I don't do it, then the day gets away from you. That's one thing I have learned about the practice of laws basically don't have a lot of control. Once you hit the ground in the morning, you really don't know where the day is going to take you from there. But um, being on your own is is certainly not for everyone. I tell people this all all the time because it's, if you don't like the business of practicing law and you don't like having to worry about whether there's enough paper in your office or, you know, putting a binder together for a hearing, then (laughs) you shouldn't be thinking about uh, opening your own law firm unless you're going to be able to hire a staff that's going to keep all that going for you. But right now, like I said, I'm a true solo and I'm doing all those things on my own. So my brain almost never stops thinking about this law firm and my clients. (laughs) I hear you. That's for sure. And then Brittany, I'm almost afraid to ask because there's probably a spreadsheet (laughs) and like confetti that falls out of your law firm ceilings when goals are met. No, but inspire us. I think the referrals from the other attorneys, you know, the fact that they say the amazing things they say, you know, that we we do a really excellent job and we've got great clients uh, as well that say just amazing things. But we were just voted uh, best places to work for Tampa Bay. That was a really big deal for me because they have all your employees fill out a survey and there's not very many law firms. Um, so the fact that we got that, you know, that's a big deal. And so I, I take each referral very seriously and I tell our team, we've got those attorneys on our backs as well, you know, as, as the clients we're basically holding up both of our reputations. And so that's a big, big deal to me. And so that's how I, I judge the success. That's wonderful. Those are both really good stories. I mean, But I want the con- confetti and out of the ceiling. I like that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a contraption to make it happen. Well, if anybody can build that contraption, I have a feeling it's you and your network. <laughs> and then maybe you could you know, get a patent on it and every law firm could have con- success confetti falling out of the sky when something great happens. Before I let each of you go, tell me if you can think of it, the one or two things that you just wished someone had told you or you knew early on in starting your practices. Paige. How hard managing people is. (laughs) Um, I definitely have had my challenges in that regard. I had experienced that at large law firms as well, but when you're in charge of as I just said, everything, and it includes managing the people. It's just a really big challenge, and it's something they don't teach you about in law school. Brittany probably has a spreadsheet for this too, but or something that she <laughs> plugs it in, but I've not been able to find the, the right recipe to get the right people in the chairs, and that presents its challenges, you know, on a permanent basis. Like I said, I've had some fantastic contract people who've worked for me. But I think that and the fact that, you know, you you do live with it 24-7, 365 when you go out on your own, that's something I wasn't fully anticipating. I wasn't expecting it to be as all-consuming as it is. That being said, I love it and I wouldn't change anything about the decision that I made to go out on my own. That's awesome. You know what I think it is? This is my perspective. When I worked at a couple of Florida's big law firms, so 20 years ago, my first job out of college was at a law firm. 
And I slowly moved up from being the trainer to being the manager of the training department. And here I was in my mid-20s managing people who were in their 40s. And I just expected to not have to do a lot of people management because I thought, well, surely that's a full-fledged adult who must know what to do and how to do it. And I shouldn't have to remind them that that's not how you start an email to the partner, you know. And then I started my little company and I've never grown my company. And people say all the time, Adriana, why don't you hire more trainers? Why don't you grow LawTech partners? And I say, I don't want to, people, <laughs> the people's the reason. You know, the last thing I want to do is be chasing after employees and people and following up and losing my mind because I think that everyone would have the same work ethic I have or do things the way I do. So I think that's a legit issue and concern. And you're right. If you can find the right mix or the right personality that fits in, it obviously makes that a lot easier. So I can completely commiserate with that part of the unknown. But of course, it always can work out really well. No, I know. And that's what, you know, I keep thinking that, that, you know, there is opportunities, obviously, to grow a firm, just like you could grow your business. It's just once you get burned a couple of times, you get a little bit gun shy, I guess, about it. And it's it's even, I think, more when you have an issue with an employee and there's just you and that one other person in the office. It's right. even more like, how do you call so. HR? You're like, oh, I, I am HR. Right. There's- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Back to, it's not worth the aggravation. I just do it myself, work a little harder, automate as much as possible, and really dig into the parts of your practice that you love. And so, Brittany, for you, what are a couple of things that you wish um, you didn't have to learn on your own? Maybe they were, you know, some something someone could have said to you or taught you. Yeah, for, for me, I think it would have been developing a good banking relationship with, you know, a smaller bank from the beginning. Uh, I don't have, I didn't really know any business owners and I don't have any lawyers in my family. So I didn't, you know, I just opened up an account at where, <laughs> like a big, big bank. And I think uh, by going and getting a banking relationship, they can definitely help you with, with some of the things that you're going to need, uh, some of the lines of credit and things you would need. To, to be able to grow the business. So I think that that was something that I always tell people, you know, es- establish some sort of, you know, potentially local banking relationship, someone that believes in you and they'll go to whoever they're working with and says, hey, look, this person has potential and I really believe in them. And then always, you know, reaching reaching down, I think, with a really strong hand. Like Paige said, helping each other is a very big thing. I've made a ton of mistakes, and I'm never afraid to say, hey, I, I did these things and they didn't work, so please let me help you not make those same mistakes. And then third, I think, uh, you know, working, listening to how other business owners, how they, um, how they've grown their business, because, you know, sometimes as lawyers, we get so honed into only hanging out with other lawyers. I have some fabulous relationships and mentors in other industries that have helped me tremendously, um, you know, see things in a different way. That's such good advice. And I think you're right. You know, most lawyers are inside of a bubble and forget that you can learn and pick up good tips. And sometimes those networking groups that have a mix of an accountant, a marketing person, um, I think those are really good networking groups for a lot of lawyers I've heard. I learn every day from everybody that I can. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all do. And that's just some of the best advice we could ever give each other. 
Well, it looks like we've run out of time, which is a bummer because I certainly enjoy talking to the both of you. I'm sure I'll get to see you soon. But before I let you go, make sure everyone knows how they can find, friend, follow, or just get a hold of you if they want to thank you for taking your time and giving us such good advice. Brittany? Yes, the the law firm is Maxie Fisher PLLC, and it's www.maxiefisher.com. We do have a Twitter, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks, Brittany. I'm going to do everyone a favor, though, and spell your last name because Maxie and Fisher could be spelled several different ways. It's M-A-X-E-Y dash F-I-S-H-E-R. And um, you're not going to say this about yourself, but you alluded to it. So I understand from my dear friend, John Stewart, that you were a big deal at Ole Miss in your volleyball <laughs> days. I, I was the first person they signed when uh, softball came to the SEC. So it was cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Paige, how can everybody find friend, follow, or maybe even see pictures of Juno somewhere? (laughs) That's my dog voice. (laughs) I'm surprised she didn't decide to make any noise. She's actually sitting in my office this afternoon because she had some surgery last week. But um, yes, I am. My my firm is Greenlee Law and the website is Greenlee Law Tampa. That's all E's, G-R-E-E-N-L-E-E. No one ever wants to spell it that way. And then my email address is page, P-A-I-G-E, at greenleelawtampa.com. And I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, too, not as much. I'm on Facebook a lot, and that's where you'll get to see really adorable pictures of Juno. Well, again, I can't thank you both enough so much. I mean, really, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot to you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to New Solo Podcast on Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard today, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate us, and give us a good review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo. Here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.